Hello, welcome to Local Anesthetic Podcast. This is your weekly injection of mind-numbing local news. My name is Alex, this is Rob. Hello! Uh, this is episode 64 now, 64. We can be found on our website, which is www.lapodcast.net. Uh, we're on Twitter, at LA Podcast. We can be found on Facebook, at www.facebook.com forward slash LA Podcast. We are on SoundCloud. That will always be the latest episode updated there. But if you want to look at our back catalogue, then you go to the website. Or, of course, we are on iTunes, where you can subscribe to us, leave a review, and do all that kind of thing. And the other thing I should also mention is to remind people of our subsidiary sort of Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash Britain's Angriest Hack, which is all about uh, the editor of The New Shopper, who we'll be talking about again later. Anyway, that's my spiel done out of the way, Rob. I'm getting more professional at that. 64 episodes on. That's really, I'm really, I'm impressed. You know, straight through, no retakes or anything. Yeah, thanks. No, it's okay. Um, Just a few things. Um, Patronising bastards. (laughs) (laughs) I'd just like to ask, if anyone is happy to do it. If we ever post on Facebook or Twitter, just to try and help us spread the word of uh, local anesthetic, which we're always trying to do, we're always trying to promote in some way or another. If we ever, if, if I, I shouldn't say we, if I ever um, post on Facebook or Twitter and you're happy to, could you please share or retweet because it gets the words out to your followers or to your friends and that really helps us out. We need our, our, our listeners, our anesthesiacs, to help us spread the word here. We, we need an army of zombies, not just a few of you. Absolutely, yeah. Um, also, I've mentioned a new little podcast I've found called People With Stories. It's a lovely little podcast. They've only been going, I think, about 25 episodes in. Um, you can follow them uh, on Twitter. I think it's at PW Stories. I think that's right. People With Stories, what's that about? It sounds a bit like our podcast. Well, basically, it's a comedian called Rob Heaney who um, interviews friends and associates and ask them to sort of relay a story that's happened to them, be it funny or otherwise. And they're about 20 minutes long, but they're very good, I have to say. People um, with stories. People with stories. I just want and there's one more thing I want to discuss with you, because I want to see what you make of this. Sarah is convinced... Sarah being your other half. Yeah. That she has... Measles. Uh, no. A poltergeist. N- no. Let me speak. Crabs. Uh, possibly. Uh, very sort of uh, tame psychic power. Right. It's possible. Well, yeah. Um, but What is the tame psychic power? She has an extraordinary knack to talk about films that haven't been on recently, and then for some unknown reason, they seem to appear on ITV2 or ITV3 within a matter of weeks. Are those films that she's talking about, films that are commonly replayed on ITV at quite a, at an alarming rate? Films like The Burbs, starring Tom Hanks. And or... uh, Back to the Future 3. Yeah. Just that specific film. Because I can do that as well. Yeah, no, no, no. These are quite... Like, oh, I'm thinking about Jurassic Park. You know, what are the odds that that's going to be on <laughs> this afternoon? I mean, I'm, I don't think she's trawling through the schedules looking for films and then, I know it's going to impress my boyfriend if I can pick out the fact that, tr- that Jurassic Park 3 is on. If she's doing that, she's probably psychotic and this your relationship will not end well. Maybe that's what she said. Maybe it's psychotic and not psychopathic. Psychopathic? No, psychopathic would be even worse film. Okay. Psych- um, psychic is the phrase you're looking for. Anyway. Yeah, but, I mean, as... Uh, Special powers go. It's quite. It's, it's quite low down. I basically. I like to refer to her as, as the female Aquaman. I don't think. Am I, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Well, well, hang on, Aquaman. Could have been able to. Could he breathe underwater? Because that's a pretty fucking. He could be. Was was he not a fish? Is that what? what but his power was basically he could, he could command the powers of the sea. If I could command the powers of the sea, Rob, I would basically be able to dominate the world because I could wipe out any nation. That I chose with yeah, but not the sea itself. It's the things that lived in the sea. So fish, yeah. or I could summon the fish 
into a grand army. Yeah, but you'd be quite limited on maybe their advance into into sort of mainland Europe. The point is that you're making is it's a it, she's not going to be being recruited by MI5 anytime soon. No, that's what I'm saying. Okay, Rob, my, I've got a few stories here, but the, the, the first two um, revolve around um, Catford. Catford being in South East London, famous for. There's a, what's it famous for? Well, it's got a little arcade which has an actual big statue of a black cat. That's true. That, hang, that hangs on this sort of precipice above the pavement. And one day, of See course, that. it will collapse and fall and kill somebody. Yeah. Um, it's also got two railway stations uh, extraordinarily close together yeah, for no apparent reason. Literally next to each other. Yeah, they go to different Catford Bridge and Catford Station. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there used to be a dog track there as well. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, well, you can see it from the train. I've seen it, yeah. The, the ruins of it. Yeah. I mean, I think they're now a, a listed building. And, yeah. and they're going to be uh, included on the UNESCO World Heritage Site. Yeah, so cats and dogs everywhere there, basically. Yeah. Uh, it also once, of course, had a gun shop, literally. Oh, yes, let me say that. Now, I've got two stories about Catford that I just wanted to read out. And what was interesting to me is, is that, obviously, I get my stories from the New Shopper, from the New Shopper website, but I do get... For some reason, I don't get it weekly. It's very intermittent whether they choose to deliver it to me. And it's the actual New Shopper paper delivered to my door. And what's interesting to me, Rob, is that the New Shopper... Um, Features will feature the same stories that are online verbatim, but will use mm. different headlines. And the headlines that it uses for the paper are much are, are clever and witty, and like newspaper headlines. Whereas the ones <laughs> online are just some sort of bizarre description. Do you see what I mean? So, do you I think, think there's some there's some journalists that have been relegated to website duties as opposed to sort of frontline reporting? Well, yeah, but why you wouldn't include the same headline? I don't know. So, mm. so this so this one, yeah. By Sarah Trotter, on the 13th of May, Catford neighbour from hell served with council order for public health risk flat. That's the headline. Not right. particularly catchy. Bit convoluted. Yeah, but in the, in the newspaper it's same mould story. Oh, that's, that's good. It's a story about mould. Like yeah. Anyway. Clever. Witty. Yeah. Anyway, this is the, uh, this is the story. Just, it's a, just a brief one. Um, a Catford homeowner says she's living below the neighbour from hell as water continues to leak through her ceiling... For the third year in a row, <laughs> Gloria Hall, good name, Gloria who, lives, Hall, yeah. who lives in Cumberland Place, says she can smell the mould and that her rubbish hoarding tenant, good episode title, keeps the door closed and does not answer his mail. I don't know what that means. Answer your mail. Is there not a possibility this guy's dead? Well, hang on. Uh, yeah, it, yeah that's, his, that's his corpse rotting. <laughs> the flat to say. The flat's maintenance team was forced to break into the flat to deal with the problem, but piles of takeaway boxes and bottles made it impossible to tackle the leak. So it's that, it, that this place is so full of trash, Rob. You can't move. Hell? The 50-year-old secretary said he's caused a lot of damage to my flat. It's going on and on. I can smell the mould. On one side, of the, one side of the wall is black and the ceiling's almost fallen down. It's just uninhabitable. I have seen him, but he keeps himself to himself on the top floor. Evidently. He, yeah, <laughs> he won't open it, or if he does, he just puts his hand out to you. <laughs> just with a letterbox. Just a one-fingered salute. (laughs) And that's a picture of this poor lady with what's happening to her ceiling. I mean, that is fairly disgusting. Yeah, but if it's a third year in a row, why wouldn't you move? Uh, Well, I think she's a council tenant. So I don't think think, uh, think she's got that. It's it's not... I must admit, it's kind of a lot less than she made at... Okay, that's quite bad. (laughs) Yeah, no, I... I, Her house is falling apart and it looks like shit is just seeping through the ceiling. My second story here, because that was just a brief one. His entire flat could be flooded. I mean, it could be completely waterlogged. 
It could be completely underwater. He may be running a bar three years ago, and now it's got to the stage where he, his, his dead corpse is floating in the, in the, the flat above the house. Are we straying into Aquaman territory again? Oh, uh, not, 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 well, maybe. Aquaman <laughs> doesn't exist, Rob, and your girlfriend isn't a superhero. <laughs> this is the front page of the new shopper this week. Great headline. Read it out. Raving loonies must be stopped. Right. Right. <laughs> Better headline than what was on the website, but it's a great story, Rob. You're going to enjoy it. Why have they superimposed what looks like dancing silhouettes on what looks like quite a suburban street? Ah, good question. And the answer to that is, Rob, because... They needed a story? No, because the, head- <laughs> because the headline is... Catford all night raves on residential street drive neighbours crazy. Right. But again, you can see raving loonies must be stopped is a cleverer he- headline. Yeah, that's, that's true. Anyway, it's by Mark Chandler, also on the 13th of May. So two stories about poor Catford on the 13th right. of May. Uh, this is a great story. A series of, Do you know what it reminds me of? Do you remember the... Of course you remember, but the um, our episode, um, Fried Chicken... Uh, jerk Chicken Pandemonium. Yes. Reminds me of that story. Right. A series of all-night raves lasting up to 16 hours in a Catford residential street are driving the neighbours crazy. Bug-eyed, boozing revellers... <laughs> good episode title. Yeah. At a house in Brookdale Road have been puffing drugs, <laughs> urinating on cars, and dancing until 3.30pm the next afternoon. <laughs> right. 3.30pm, so they're literally going through the night all the way to the... Yeah, I think that they'll be the come down of the drugs. <laughs> One neighbour who tried to intervene had her sunglasses knocked from her face and stomped into the pavement. As <laughs> <laughs> random acts of violence go, that's quite minimal. <laughs> I do like that, though. <laughs> but despite calls from rattled and sleep-deprived residents about the problems which started last summer, they say Lewisham Council officers have failed to stop the music and police cars have just driven on by. In the most recent event, which happened over the Maybank holiday, neighbours reported more than 300 people turning turning up in cars. Bloody hell! Spilling out onto the street outside, openly rolling up marijuana ju- joints, drinking and grinding up against each other. <laughs> Joe... <laughs> Joe Ford, 56, said it starts just before midnight, all the windows are open there, and all you can hear is boom, boom, boom. So, so many DJs come and go during the night. Uh, You can see people standing outside with their eyes popping out of their heads, (laughs) rolling up on drugs or God knows what. She added, as I opened up the curtains one morning, they're outside, pissing on the back of my car. (laughs) (laughs) What a lovely sight to be greeted to first in the morning. God knows what goes on because they use every room. When it died down again at the weekend, it was like heaven. Arranged by a flyer beforehand, residents say guests are charged upwards of £10 to get in. Sorry. A bouncer is put on the door and cars pull up at night delivering supplies for the raves. Leslie Keener, 76, said, Oh, this poor 76, you don't need that at this age, Rob. You've, you've had a good innings and you've got to put up with this shit. Mm. She says, the sound system they've got is meant for a hall, not a house. But what can you do? They seem to get away with it. The house, which has a sold sign outside, has been used for parties, builders' birthday celebrations, or wakes. <laughs> That's a very niche area. Builders' birthday celebrations? Or wakes. <laughs> so they're having these raves, but advertising them as a birthday celebration, or a wake. What sort of wake do you have people no, grinding up there, grinding up they... against each other and pissing on cars? Is that what they're suggesting? Are they not suggesting that the, these, these very three specific types of events are taking place there raves no, I... builders birth celebrations and wakes no I think they're saying that they're all raves but they happen under the auspices of these other things oh I see right um, Pedal Taffrey 60 said the music was so loud his house vibrated he said the amount of people can't be contained in the house and they spread all down the road you couldn't sleep at all they know about the elderly people living here they know that and they continue to do it neighbours said Lewisham council officers turned up early during the last party but shortly after they left the music started again 
And I like this. So you find these discarded flyers on the road that are advertising these things. Right. And a, a further rave has been a further rave has been advertised called, and I quite want this as our episode title, Maureen Millions Birthday Party. <laughs> okay. And organised at a secret South London location by, in quotes, champagne popping, brandy rocking, brother and sister promotions. Also a good episode yeah. title. It's amazing. Um, and I just like, there's one comment I want to read out here by Freddie F. Okay. A bit obscure. He just says, there were no problems before people started taking alcohol to raves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when did, did a sorry? He's, gonna, a, he's clearly an old raver. That's what that means. D- is, do you think? What you think? You mean? You he, think he, there was a stage where there were no al- there was no alcohol at raves? I mean, I don't drink alcohol, but even I wouldn't turn up to a rave that didn't have alcohol there. Alex, right? Going back to the days of Manchester, uh, you know, there's a bit of uh, because I have a lot of interest around the museum of Manchester. You know the, the famous Hacienda Club? Yes. Yeah. The Hacienda Club used to lose money. One of the main reasons it lost money is because it had a bar that sold alcohol. Mm. But no one used to buy the alcohol because everyone was taking LSD and ecstasy. <laughs> ah, so that's his point. They don't need alcohol. He's making the point that when, right, that yeah. they, when people were taking happy drugs... They were more happy. It was a happier time. And of course, uh, you know, alcohol is a depressant. But then so is many drugs. <laughs> Okay, Rob, you've got a story for us. And you mentioned something to me this week, leading up to the podcast. You said you had a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to start off. I'm not going to start off with a surprise. I just want to start off with a headline that someone's teasing sent me. me. I know, yeah. Someone sent me this headline. Um, it's just a headline. It's just. A oh, headline. I just want to say about that. Oh yeah. Last week, I read out what I thought was probably one of our best episode titles ever. I just had the headline. What was it? Toxic Oak Processionary, Processionary Moth, Moth Alert. Yes, something like that. Um, and you chose another episode title, which I admit was very strong. But can we hold that episode title in reserve as an emergency backup in case in any week we can't think of one? Absolutely. I mean, you more or less pounced on me, the fact I've chosen the alternative headline. But no, I think... Not in a sexual way. No, no, I, I didn't imply that it was. Um, but no, that's absolutely fine. I think there there have been weeks where uh, I do struggle with them for a headline, and I think that's absolutely fine with me, as long as I can remember it. Good. Talking of headlines, as I said, um, this was sent to me by a friend of mine who uh, took a picture uh, of the paper, or maybe he found it online. Um, and Hang I just, on a minute, Rob. Isn't this technically a listener story, then? Well, I'm not we gonna only do, have one a week. I'm not going to do the story. I'm just going to do the headline, because it's such a strong headline. You're, 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 you're circumventing the rules, Rob. I know. I'm, I'm bending them into my own, my own uh, evil way. Um, anyway, the headline is... Like Google. <laughs> yeah. Attacks. Uh, please don't sue us. Um... Woman in sumo wrestler suit assaults ex-girlfriend who waved at man dressed as Snickers bar. How can you not be reading this fucking story? Because it's not a great story. Well, it's all right. Isn't it? <laughs> Would you like to... I can do it next week if you'd like. Well, only if you think it's good. Is that basically the story? Read it again. Woman in sumo wrestler suit assaults ex-girlfriend who waved at man dressed as Snickers bar. I'm confused. <laughs> It isn't, isn't that not a brilliant headline? If that's the headline, that is fucking brilliant. Okay, yeah, classic. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll read over the story next week and I'll consider why, uh, well, consider whether we should, we should feature on the podcast. Okay, the surprise. Da, 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 da. Oh, stop, stop. Don't build up too much. Um, right. <laughs> we emailed Ian Hislop. I knew it was going to be about eye. this. We did. Why, tell people why we emailed okay. this fine gentleman. It was in regards to the wonderful Alan Parks, um, and we He's believe... not called Alan Parks, even though he's I'm like sorry, Andrew Par- Parks, damn even, it! I know, I keep doing it, even though he reminds us of Alan Partridge, his name is Andrew Parks, he's a group editor of The New Shopper, and he's mad. 
Can I also point out that uh, Roy Greenstein didn't, didn't respond to uh, my email, but that may be if he listened to the previous podcast where I referred to him as Ray. But, um, <laughs> no, but do you think he got it? I don't know. I have C- can, we send another one? can we send another one to the Guardian head, you know, central editorial and say for the attention of him? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I think yeah, that's like not a problem. Okay. okay, so Ian didn't respond, mm-hmm. um, but I realised that the reason that, that he didn't respond is because I sent it to another person. But... Well, that would be partially why. Yeah, it would be. But uh, I think her name, her name, no, listen, her name was listen, uh, listed under the, the editor section. I don't know why. Anyway, so th- I got a lovely response from a lady called Jay McKenzie, who's a reporter at Private Eye. Good. Um, who responded to my email by saying, Hi, Rob. Uh, it's Please all- don't contact us again. <laughs> Please leave me alone. <laughs> Your emails are getting tiresome. Um, it's, it's almost accurate. We called him a new contender for the title of Britain's Angriest Hack on the Streets of Shame page in 2003. Um, oh. Though whether he has outdone Little John and, and his ilk by that point was debatable. Since all the articles on that page are unbylined, I'm not sure which one of my colleagues wrote it. It wasn't me, for instance. Uh, it's unlikely to be Ian himself, so you'd have to attribute it to Private Eye rather than Ian Hislop. Happy to do that. Yeah. Not only that, she dug through the archives, and sent us the original story. So I will read you the story that featured in Private Eye. The streets of... Uh, I'm a Private Eye reader, and the streets of shame basically features all the... basically all the newspapers. The streets of shame obviously referred to Fleet Street when they're all based there and features um, journalism in the UK. Can I just say something to Private Eye if they are listening? Mm. I would happily read Private Eye as I used to in the past in my youth as a student. I would happily read Private Eye if you would hurry up and get on with releasing a digital edition, which you still seem to be very <laughs> reluctant to do. I don't think they want to have like an iPad version of Private Eye, but just do it and I'll read it. Okay. Here's the story. Richard Littlejohn and Simon Heffer need to shape up a bit. A new contender for the title of Britain's Angriest Hack has emerged. He is Andrew Parks, editor of the New Shopper. In a nose-nonsense editorial two weeks ago, headed, Wipe Out This Scum. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Stephanie Parks. <laughs> Parks made Wipe out this gun. <laughs> I think Hitler said that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Parks made an impassioned plea for the introduction of South American death squads in the home counties to kill four men who had been convicted of taking and driving away cars without the, owner, the owner's consent. Plus, in the case of one of them, handling a stolen birdcage. A sto- stolen a birdcage? Handling a stolen birdcage. Handling a stolen birdcage. Handling a stolen birdcage is a great episode title. Yeah. But there, was a, there was a better one. And what was it? An impassioned plea for South American death squads. An Can impassioned that... plea for the introduction of South American death squads. <laughs> that, that's a good episode title. It is. It's long, but it's good. Or you could cut it down to an impassioned plea for South American death squads. Yeah. In Brazil, he claimed scumbags who nick cars and birdcages receive violent retribution. It's difficult to justi- justify um, vigilantism at any time. But I can't help wondering if it wouldn't be better off for all those concerned if they weren't just disposed of. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a step too far to suggest that it should be dire, painful death, but I'm rapidly coming to the conclusion it would be better for all concerned but put to put them swiftly and cheaply out of their misery. <laughs> Park says that David Blunkett has previously praised the new shopper for his anti-crime campaigns. Yeah, when David Blunkett can't read because he's blind. That's a good point, yeah. Whether the Home Secretary will now endorse a call for petty criminals to be put to death remains to be seen. <laughs> I, I think it would, could be a vote winner at this year's Tory party conference. Absolutely, the way they things wanna, are going at the moment. They want to stamp out the rise of UKIP, that's yeah. what they need to do. <laughs> death sentence for petty crimes. Yeah. Zero Isn't crimes. that a great story? It's a brilliant story, but it's yeah. classic part. So, Jane, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. Okay, now the two stories I've chosen for this week. Um, 
back to the norm, really. Um, the first one is from the Strive News and Journal. Um, it's uh, by the faceless SNJ reporter. Action Man Army Jeep found in school field. Action Man Army Jeep found in school field. This sounds like the most irrelevant story I've ever heard. It is. An Action Man Army Jeep has been found on the Rosary Primary School field in Stroud. It was found on Monday, April 29th, the day after Wheelnuts Motor Show at St. Rosa School, which shares the same field. If anyone thinks the Jeep belongs to them, they should contact the Rosary on 01453 762 774. The Wheelnut Show raised £9,500. So this isn't a Jeep that's been found abandoned, it's a toy Jeep. It's a toy Jeep. It's a toy Action Man Jeep that's, that, that has been lost, or so it's recovered... And has it been impounded? I, I don't know. Or maybe I should contact the police and ask. But what I love is they then move on to the fact that the, the, the motor show raised nine thousand five hundred pounds. Yeah. And they just try to sort of combine two very short and irrelevant stories into one. I think Robert's a bit of detective. Well, they're thinking of the motor show here. Some kid probably came along with his toy car to keep himself amused. He's lost it. You know. Yeah, quite possibly. Okay. Uh, the second story is from the Croydon Advertiser. The journalist is George Keats. And the headline is, Killer Snake Found in Selsdon Wood. A killer snake? Killer snake. It's not, it's not like the Beast of Sydenham, is it? This you know, made-up animal that's roaming the streets. No, 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 Alex. There's a picture. The shock discovery of a 15-foot python just 15 meets... 15-foot python? Yeah. That's big. Yeah, that is big. I mean, I know, I, I, my ex-girlfriend used to have a snake, and I know that pythons can get to quite, a, a, quite an amazing size. It's not a euphemism, is it? Uh, no. Did no. you date a lady boy? Look, look, she looked like a man, all right. I mean, woman. Woman. I mean, <laughs> very, woman. Very, very woman. Telling, very telling. Look uh, like a man. <laughs> Shit. Rob, you're confused. <laughs> Just metres from a primary school and a cluster of family homes left cells and residents dumbstruck. Bill Draper of Kingsfisher Gardens stumbled across the slippery customer, a reculated python. More Pardon? Is that what it says? says Irreculated. Reculated. Reculated. That, yeah. that sounds like... Like Bottom related. More can be found in the more exotic climates of Asia in, so- in Selsdenwood. Told you it was about lady boys. <laughs> in Selsdenwood on Saturday. He said, On Friday night I heard the foxes going mad and thought I should investigate. Because that's what you do, isn't it? You hear some foxes screaming and you think... In yeah. the middle of the night, you yeah. go out with your torch. What are they up to, eh? <laughs> I went out first thing on Saturday morning and came across this monstrous snake in the bomb crater at the, at the edge of the wood. Bomb crater? Yeah, it doesn't mention that anywhere else in the story. There's a bomb crater There's at the edge crater. of a wood with a huge snake in it. I thought that a bomb crater may be a bit more of a story to be, invented, <laughs> to be reporting on, but apparently not. Apparently maybe, that's normal. Maybe something like North Korea have sent one of their missiles over. Because it's the sort of thing that North Korea would do, wouldn't it? Send a missile over and inside the missile... There's a snake. There's a snake. God, could you imagine To wipe that? out. That's genius. I like that. Um... It was about 20 foot long. I just thought, it was a 15 God almighty! Foot, 15 foot a minute ago, it's grown 5 foot. Yeah. Difficult to tell, Alex. <laughs> uh, and I just thought, God almighty, it's the biggest snake I've ever seen. I'm not sure if that's a euphemism. Mr. Draper ran to his neighbour, Ken Wills, who went back to the scene with him to investigate. We were absolutely dumbstru- dumbstruck to find it. It's something you expect from far away. Not in a wood near Croydon, he said. <laughs> something you expect from far away. Where's far away? Well, like I said, not Croydon. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere past Gordon's far away. <laughs> Anywhere outside Zone 6. Um, I don't know how long it's been there, but it's been, but it's quite warm and it hasn't rotted much. Oh, it's dead? Yeah. He didn't say yeah, that? doesn't say that at all in the story. The, the snake's dead. Dead, reckless, whatever it is, yeah. fucking python. 
So it's a rotting python in a, a bomb cr- snake. in a bomb crater <laughs> yeah. that's either 15 foot or 20 foot yeah. from far away. <laughs> I blame North Korea. We called the council, they came out to look at it. They said that they didn't want to move it, so apparently they'll just bury it there. <laughs> Thanks for this ceremony. <laughs> just, just imagine council officials going, yeah, it's dead, mate. I'm just going to leave it, to be honest. It's not going to cause any harm. <laughs> Oh god! I'm not sure whether he said this or the character official said. This. We've had lots of stories, Rob, about dead animals. We had a dead pregnant Shetland pony. We had a dead albino badger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm hoping this is the this is the man who went out to investigate who said this. We can put a plaque up, Monty the Python. Not relevant to the story. I'm not even sure why he said it. Okay, <laughs> uh, a snake expert, London Zoo, Iris Gill, identified the serpent as a, a reculated python, the world's longest constrictor, native to South. East Asia. So what the fuck's it doing here? I'll come on to that. He said, um, the larger record is 34 foot, but it looks like this one is, is, is anywhere between 15 and 20 foot. They're quite common as pets, but there are no, there are no restrictions on buying them. There are a number of answers as to how the snake got there. It could have died in someone's care and they decided to dump it. Or someone could have killed it and then dumped it. <laughs> <laughs> That's two options by my but, but Why would you <laughs> kill a snake? Just at home. You just uh, fucking strangle the snake and then go and dump it in a bomb grave. Well, is it, it is constrictor. I'm sick of you! <laughs> it, it is a constrictor, to be fair. And if it's 15 foot, it, it, you, know, you know how constrictors work. They are yes. so, yeah, they I wouldn't want to wanna, wanna kill a snake. No, no, no. This snake. No, that's a good point. Um, if it had been alive and this size, it could be quite interested if a small child walked by. <laughs> They're constrictors and could easily kill a child or a dog. Uh, a Croydon council spokesman said I wouldn't fancy my chances against it either and I'm not a child or a dog no it's true or a dog child <laughs> dog child there's a, there's a film there um, a Croydon uh, council spokesman said because of the state of decomposure we will bury the, uh, bury the snake on the site so basically it's in the bomb crates we'll just dump a load of earth on top of it basically uh, there's a few comments uh, by Rob Morger I think this is a killer snake in the context of killing mice and small rodents by constricting them, not a venomous snake. Hysterical headlines. Honestly, a complete harmless snake to humans, however big it is. What was the headline? Uh, is it killer snake found in Selsden Wood? But yeah, and it is very important that it, I don't, it, it's dead, so it poses no threat to anybody anymore. Yeah, I think, but I don't think dead snake capable of killing small rodents. Found dead in wood is, is quite as much as the headline. I'd, I'd read it. Yeah, I, well, that's probably true. It would for this podcast, anyway. By Dave Kinohan says, shouldn't the headline read, Killer humans find harmless snake in the woods? Shut up, you wanker. <laughs> okay. Uh, and by Wow News says, <laughs> by Wow News says, uh, should the headline not be, Dead snake found in the woods? Another non story from the Croydon Adder. That would Clever. be a good headline. Clever. Dead snake found in the woods, hyphen, another normal story from the Croydon Adder. Yeah. Croydon Adder, that's good. Yeah. Now, Rob, you mentioned our friend Andrew Parks earlier. You know, I feel duty-bound to keep you updated on the uh, editorial movements of this man. Um, Which I appreciate. I mean, I, I'd like to know that he is still moving, especially after last week's story. By the way, before I even post the... Because uh, I was updating the... Britain's Angry Hack page. And I, Nicola, I'm not sure if you deleted your comment because I can't find it now, but she basically said that she was concerned about his mental health after he posted that story. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. Um, this is his, this is his uh, new one, Rob. It was on the 15th of May um, in the news shopper. It's his editor, editor's eye comment. 
Um, hopscotch police warning shows country has gone mad. <laughs> okay. What? He, he's just living in this world where everybody around him has lost their mind apart from him, which is always very worrying. I think Hitler felt the same way. Uh, uh, Andrew Parks, if, you would, if, you're, if you're listening to this, go on to Google and put in the word projection. Projection. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. And uh, see what you get. That's it. It's official. This country has gone stark, raving mad. The only problem is, is he's, he's, I think he means raving mad, doesn't he? But he's put stark staring mad. No, I have heard that expression. Oh, have you? Yeah, okay. But I think it, yeah, okay. more common is Stark raving mad. Stark staring mad, then. A girl playing hopscotch outside her house sparked a police warning that she was committing criminal damage with a piece of chalk. This absurd reaction from heavy-handed Jobsworths obviously upset and troubled 10-year-old Lily May. Whatever can these over-officious dipsticks have been thinking? <laughs> Perhaps they don't want children playing outside, getting exercise, minding their own business and enjoying themselves. Are there no criminals left to catch or crimes to solve? Talk about a PR own goal, which I think, Andrew, you know all about PR. <laughs> we, all want to do, we all want to do everything we can to support our police force, but with idiots like this in uniform, their credibility is stretched beyond breaking point. Don't they realise a chalk grid is washed away when it rains? It's not point. as if we're short of rain. Don't start talking about the weather, Andrew. Or chalk. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Frankly, she was lucky to find a dry moment between the showers to be outside playing. <laughs> he really has lost all faith. Yeah. <laughs> Even the weather. Lily May's dad made a good point too. If there really was a problem, why didn't they just knock on the door to mention it to him or her mum? Perhaps it was easier to frighten a little girl. And then, once in the proverbial hole, not of euphemism, <laughs> the politically correct PR machine, which now rules every police force in the land, continues digging. Rather than just own up, admit it was a stupid thing to do and say it would be better and say it would try to do better in the future, the statement read, it would not appear to have been necessary to advise the young girl talking a hopscotch grid, maybe criminal damage and illegal. If this case is typical of the intelligence shown by police officers, then we are in big, big trouble. Um, I mean, that, that, that really is a, quite a, a vacuous story, isn't it? Yeah, and he, 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 he lurches between... Big things like sterilise everybody yeah. to things like this. It's just erratic. Yeah. Um, just a, one comment I'm going to read out from Vulvor, who says, obviously nothing more important to write about today. The country's not gone mad. Most of us just ignore this tripe. <laughs> Which is good, you know, good uh, advice for anybody reading the new shopper, I think, generally. Now, Rob, before we move on to our listen story segment mm. of the week, I've just got... Um, a few little ditties for you. Okay. Well, it might be one story, it might be two, I'll see. But this one I wanted to read out to you because I just think if Andrew Parks got wind of this, if this happened in this area, he'd love it. Right. Um, it's a br- I just think this is a brilliant story. It is from the Daily Echo, which okay. is the Bournemouth Echo, as you know. Yeah. Um, no reporter listed. It was on the 13th of May. Argentina takes back the Falkland Islands, according to John Lewis Poole. What pool? What? Pool. Pool. P-O-O-L-E. Pool, the area. John Lewis Pool. John Lewis in Pool. According to John Lewis in Pool, the right. area of Pool. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, okay. Argentina is taking back the Falkland Islands. And here's why. <laughs> A globe featuring the Falkland Islands marked with their Argentinian name has sparked outrage after going on sale at John Lewis in Pool. The British-ruled South Atlantic Islands are incorrectly marked as Las Malvinas on the 8-inch diameter globe, which costs £95. There is no reference to their English name, nor the fact that they are a UK overseas territory. Red-faced bosses at the department store... Red-faced? No! 
They're they red-faced care. Rob. They don't care. They do, John Lewis care. They're a good organisation, Rob. Oh, ne- never knowing the undersold. As it says on their doors. Which is bullshit. I never can we I, I like this is might be a good point allegedly I, ne- <laughs> I never understood that quote In, okay. never know the undersold okay what it means is according to their knowledge nobody's selling stuff at a better price than they are and, and, and I think in <laughs> unless they're on the internet uh, yeah exactly. I think <laughs> right. in, no but I think they do they do say that they'll match it so if you find that your this some um, laptop you're looking for is cheaper elsewhere hint hint Rob because I know you're looking for a laptop oh, yeah. then go to John Lewis they never know in undersold and they'll say yeah we don't use that slogan anymore <laughs> If I head down the pub and go, my mate Keith said he can sell me one for 50 quid, will you match that? Try it. Yeah, I will. Red-faced bosses, red-faced Rob, at the department store are now facing calls from angry Falklands War veterans to apologise. <laughs> no, they won't! <laughs> to apologise. No, they're not. And withdraw the globe from their shelves. One Falklands hero called for a boycott on the chain, describing the blunder as an own goal for the Brits. I wouldn't be surprised if that... If that Prime Minister of Argentina raises this at the next UN thing. She'll say, even even John Lewis, that British institution. She's quite petty like that, I can imagine. She that. is. Kirchner, um, Kirch- isn't it? I think? Yes. Right, yeah. But I find her quite attractive. Yeah. The shopping mistake has been blamed on a design error by the Globe's Indian suppliers. The Curiosity Globe, as it's known, that is mounted on a silver stand, is described on the John Lewis website as a brilliant way to add a traditional touch of knowledge to the room. Can I not <laughs> oh, Sorry, do you not just love that? <laughs> a traditional way... Sorry, a brilliant way to add a traditional touch of knowledge to the room. Like having a dictionary out on the coffee table. <laughs> How fucking middle class does that yeah. sound? Um, so sure, surely we should be blaming the Indian makers and not... Because this is Don't a, start blaming the Indians again, Rob. No, all I'm saying is, our uh, import and export in this country is just completely flatlined. So let's face it, it's the Indian overlords that we have to blame. Okay. Tony Chambers from Sherbourne, Dorset, serves as a helicopter engineer with 848 Naval Air Squadron in the Falklands War. Mr Chambers, 49, said, I'm shocked that a British company such as John Lewis would do something like this. It's very disrespectful. There will be lots of people upset by this. It's a real insult. There is no such thing as the Malvinas. The correct name is the Falklands. Argentina, Argentina will see this as points scored for them and an own goal by the Brits. I'll be boycotting John Lewis until they issue an unreserved apology and remove the offending globe from their shelves. The globe is on sale at the John Lewis Stooling Pool, among other UK outlets. One John Lewis customer who asked not to be named said, I'm disgusted and appalled that John Lewis would sell this globe. Globe, It's a huge insult to the servicemen who gave everything for their country to keep the Falklands British. Um, I'm not going to comment because I'm just going to upset someone. <laughs> uh, I've got just a few comments here, Ron. Um, Grizel says, storm in a teacup comes to mind. Yes. Mark S says, talk about an overreaction. I'm not sure the Falklands suddenly changed nationality just because a globe on sale at John Lewis says so. Actually, actually you're wrong there, Mark. It does. John Lewis has um, uh, international um, influence. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, when you talk about the UN, John, what John Lewis says goes. I, I do believe that they will be forming their own nation, surely, uh, and they will be invading the Falklands themselves. Grizel says, well, it did belong to Argentina originally, didn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we, well, we may have... Uh, I, I, hate, I don't want to upset anyone, but I think we invaded it. <laughs> um, shut up, Rob, because you're wrong. Ex-old Bill says, no, definitely not. Argentina did not exist when the British first settled there. Spain maybe had a claim. France also, but Argentina, no. Um, <laughs> it's still invasion. <laughs> L'Anglais says, Britain didn't exist when the Picts, Romans and Vikings first settled here. Give it back to them, you thieving swines. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I enjoyed that. That was good. And Rob, we now move on to our listener story segment of the week. And I hear this week it's a good one. Because last week we didn't actually include one because the quality wasn't good enough. Uh, that no, that's, that's right, yeah. Um, 
There's been, after you said, there's been a bit of an influx of good stories. Uh, this one, I think, will uh, appeal to you in particular. Right. Um, so. Maybe it's from Nicola from Norwich. Uh, it's from the Evening News. Hello, Nicola. The four steps in, sci-fi fans turn to dark side in Clash at Norwich Star Wars <laughs> Convention. I did hear about did this. Did you hear about I, this? I haven't managed to read the story yet. My, Great story. My, my father sent me uh, it on, uh, uh, to my email as well, but I haven't read it yet. It is brilliant. I'm a big Star Wars fan for anybody who doesn't know. How can anyone not know that? I mean, uh, surely well, we would have had to have listened to all the podcasts. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if, if not, why haven't you done so? The story is by Mark Shields. And uh, rival sci-fi clubs had to be separated by, in comments, in quotation marks, the force, when police were called to break up feuding fans at a Star Wars convention. Sorry, the, the, the Norwich Star Wars convention. The family even threatened to turn to the dark side and escalate into a fight between uh, costume characters when visiting Doctor Who fans clashed with Star Wars enthusiasts. Star Wars enthusiasts would wipe the floor with Doctor Who fans. Don't get me started on this. Alex. Doctor Who is a meaningless franchise compared Excuse to the me? Star Wars franchise. No, no. Uh, yeah, well, there are far more well, well, fans of Star Wars uh, than Doctor Who. Well, that, that, that might be true. Officers were called at around 2.30 on Sunday when members of the Norwich Sci-Fi Club were refused entry at a fair co-hosted by Norwich Star Wars Club at the University of East Anglia. More than a dozen sci-fi fans from both groups, including several in fancy dress, were involved in a bitter exchange outside the venue, <laughs> sparked by the arrival at the, the event of Jim Paul, treasurer of the Norwich Sci-Fi Club. Right. <laughs> he was hard to leave the convention as he approached... Uh, he was asked to leave. He was asked to leave the convention as he approached uh, Doctor Who actor Graham Cole for an autograph. Uh, why, why would that lead you to be asked to leave the convention? Because he's been disrespectful to the Star Wars fans. Because, he, you know, he's, he, should be, he should be more respectful. Why is he not allowed to ask for an autograph for a Doctor Who? What? Because it's a, it's a sci-fi, it's a Star Wars convention. It's a Star Wars convention. It's a Star Wars oh, convention. Oh, they're like, right, they're like, right, okay. And he, he's... Oh, God. <laughs> let's, well, let's face it, it does sound like Star Wars fans are probably more petty than Doctor Who fans. Um, Look, well, do you want to get into a fight? <laughs> Just saying. First time yeah. on the podcast. Let's face it, I mean, Doctor Who is a time lord, uh, and I don't think there's anyone in Star Wars had the same sort of ability as that. He, he, Doctor Who is definitely a something lord, Rob. Right, okay. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. So, yeah, just to, just to re-emphasise, he was asked to leave the convention as he approached Doctor Who actor Graham Cole for an autograph, leading to a standoff which was only calmed by police and university security. Why was Graham Cole there? Does he appear in some... Has he been in I Star don't know, Wars? it doesn't say. Like, okay. I wonder if he was just walking past. <laughs> Maybe he's a Star Wars fan, I don't know. Uh, he and organiser Richard Walker exchanged words inside before taking their disputes outside. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Walker, 63, claimed the visiting club had tried to undermine the convention by posting comments on Facebook, but Mr. Paul said he had attended in good faith to collect autographs from two actors for a Doctor Who signature diary to be auctioned for charity. There we go. Both sides said they had between, both sides said there had been a long-running rivalry between the two groups and events they organised, but told the Evening News that they hoped they could resolve the differences and share their love of sci-fi. The, the convention returned this year after a three-year three absence, and despite the altercation, it was described as a very successful day by Mr. Walker. He added, we will, be back, we will be back next year with an even bigger and better fair. It takes about six or seven months to organise a fair, but it's been really good. The, conven the convention reunited the four remaining bounty hunters from Star Wars films for the first time, and also featured a large auction... In Norwich, they turned the four remaining... Well, four did you say who these were? No. 
Four remaining bounty hunters. What, the actors who played them? I'm assuming so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I thought you'd be impressed. Um, and also featured a large, num- a large auction of memorabilia in aid of Cancer Research UK. A few comments. <clears throat> the, first burden, it, the first one is by NRG. Just as well, the sci-fi equivalent of Millwall, the Star Trek crew. Star Wars? Yeah, that's why. Why did you say Star Trek? It's nothing to do with Star Trek. It's Star <laughs> no, it isn't. It sort of undermines his comment. It, it Star Wars say... fans are not the equivalent of Millwall supporters. <laughs> that's what he said. And if you want to fucking, you know, argue about it, we'll take it outside. Who are too busy cheaping on like can- canaries. Otherwise, both these plastic anoraks would take it one hell of a beating. <laughs> Jesus. As he oh maybe he's suggesting that if the if the if theme, Star Trek fans were yeah. there they'd wipe the floor with both feet that's probably true yeah that probably yeah that would be true um, now Donna Africa uh, not sure this is Donna from Africa I love um, her name Donna that, Africa yeah post quite a lengthy comment but I think she was there and wanted to sort of clarify what actually happened this is pure sensationalism negative and lazy reporting I was there as a guest and I did not witness this happening. <laughs> This well, has also didn't happen, Donna. No. Uh, this has been clearly blown out of all proportion. To be honest, I'm disgusted that you give it the negative press when Richard and his Star Wars Club members work so hard for you to embarrass him like this. You should be ashamed of publishing this negative story and encouraging disputes. Richard and the guests raise a lot of money towards cancer research, but you would not be interested in publishing such a, sto- such a positive story. I think the report. I think the reporter should go back to the drawing board and learn some values and appreciation. I personally would like to thank Richard and all for a great day in raising money towards cancer research. Well done. Uh, a few more comments, and uh, it had to happen at some stage. Uh, Muggers Budal says next week, Teletubbies versus Wombles. Albert Cooper says Star Wars, very outdated and ghastly sci-fi in any case. Doesn't know what he's talking about. It's not even sci-fi, which is part of the problem. But anyway, Mr. Majika says, "Mr. Majika, Mr. Majika, good yeah. name." It wouldn't come to blows. Surely, no self-respecting sci-fi nerd would remove a weapon from its original packaging. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, just to finish off, a comment by someone called Sherbert, and uh, he just says, "May the fast be with you." And on that note, I think we should say goodbye to our anesthesiacs. And I would like to say to everybody listening out there, may the force be with you all. God bless. Take care.